Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to pick up my ebook on what I like about the golden age of entertainment. It's called What Made the Golden Age Shine? And it is available as an ebook in any great ebook store for only 99 cents. That's what made the Golden Age shine. And you can get that along with all my other books, ebooks, audiobooks at store.greatdetectives.net. Well, now we return to Jeff Regan. Probably the most famous version of Jeff Regan is that which starred Jack Webb during the second half of 1948. Webb left uh, CBS and the series and would uh, return to Pat Novak for hire for a national run that we've already played. However, Jeff Regan would be revived with a new cast in 1949. Most of these 47 episodes starred Frank Graham as Jeff Regan. However, there are a number that starred Paul Duvall. And what exactly happened here, I have to admit, is a bit of a mystery. Bob played Regan in the Christmas episode in uh, 1949. And then there were these uh, six-week run of programs which starred uh, Dubov rather than Graham as Regan that come from the springtime in 1950. So, feeling your own explanation, some have suggested that Dubov took over the role in total and... That somewhat backed up as we don't really hear a mention of Frank Graham, which is typical when one actor is substituting for another. The suggestion then is that the later Frank Graham episodes were uh, rebroadcast, which would have been pretty unprecedented for 1950. Uh, just, yeah, not something they would typically do. Plus, there are episodes in this, uh, in that later summer 1950 run, which uh, were not in uh, Frank Graham's earlier run. So, again, not certain what the explanation, but at any rate, we're going to go ahead and take a look at a series that we finished at the start of Season 2, but we've got some new episodes, and we begin with Paul Dubov in The Man Behind the Rod, original air date April the 12th of 1950. My name's Regan. I work for Anthony J. Lyon Detective Bureau. They call me the Lion's Eye. Jeff Regan, investigator, starring Paul Dubov as Regan with Frank Nelson as Anthony J. Lyon. So stand by for mystery and suspense and adventure in tonight's story of The Man Behind the Rod. She was ported and relieved. She had sharp cams, lift and overlap, and Dick Elcock loved her. Before the case was closed, she came close to killing me. But I didn't know about that when I walked into the Lion Detective Bureau office. The Lion, my boss, Anthony J., was sitting behind his desk studying a photo. He had that we-got-a-new-client beam on his face. Well, well, Jeffrey, here you are. 
That's right. We've got a new client, my boy. Very boxy. How much? $300, Jeffrey. $150 this morning. $150 at the close of the case. Who's the photo? Is this? Jennifer B. The B stands for Jennifer's displacement, Jeffrey. Don't stop now. No. Well, Jennifer displaces 230 cubic inches, you see. So, of course, she's B. Of course. As to her foot-pounds of torque, uh, now let me see. Mr. Elcott told me when he was here this morning, but I don't see... Elcott? Who's he? Our new client, Jeffrey. He wants us to get his son, Dick Elcott, away from Jennifer here. Let me see that photograph. Certainly, my boy. Here you are. So that's it. Jennifer's one of those souped-up jobs, a hot rod. Exactly. She develops 140 miles per hour at 8,000 RPM. Mr. Elcock feels that's a little bit too much for his boy, Dick. I see what he means. But, of course, as Mr. Elcock said this morning, he'd hardly hire private detectives merely to check on his son if he didn't have reason to think something queer was going on, Jeffrey. Now we're getting somewhere. Elcock, say what? Well, uh, something to do with somebody named Salvatore, Jeffrey. Salvatore. Yes. Uh, Mr. Elcock's heard them quarreling over the phone. His son and Salvatore. Uh, that's right. Uh, threats. Uh, veiled threats. Recriminations. That sort of thing. Nothing more specific? No. Well, you know how it is. Uh, father doesn't like the eavesdrop. That is not too obviously, Jeffrey. Guess not. Salvatore. Well, that's the start, I guess. Plenty of Salvatore's around L.A. You had to know the last name or it didn't help much. I phoned our client, Mr. Elcock. He didn't know Salvatore's last name. All he could give me was that his son was a pretty decent kid, but nuts over speed and motors. About noon, I went down onto the street, and that was when I came up with something. Paper, Mr. Regan. Afternoon editions, just out. Yeah, okay. Here you are, Mr. Regan. Thanks. There you go. Keep the change. Gee, thanks, Mr. Regan. I glanced through the news, turned to the sport page, and there it was. Photo of Jennifer B. Lowered body, no fenders, chrome dual exhausts, cut-down top, slot windows. Jennifer B. Expensive-looking hot rod. Dick Elcock was racing her at 2 p.m. on a dirt track above Santa Monica, the paper said. Checked my watch, it was 12.15. There was time to pick up the line and make the first race. The paper listed the others who were racing hot rods. One name interested me. Salvatore Marino. Over this way, Lion. Here, through the crowd. There, that passageway goes out to the track. Oh, you want to find Dick Elcock before the races start, is that it, Jeffrey? We've got a quarter of an hour before two o'clock. Might as well use it. Yes. Hey. What is it, Jeffrey? They're ahead at the end of the passage. Come on, Lion. But, Jeffrey, it's just a young man, one of the hot rod racers. Dungarees, T-shirt, white crash helmet, driving goggles shoved up on the crash helmet. The hot rod driver, sure. Well, then, Jeffrey, I don't see... Look at the expression on his face. Yeah, he doesn't look very trustworthy, does he, Jeffrey? He's watching for something just outside the passage. All right, take it easy now. He doesn't see us. He was thin-faced, sly. On the back of his T-shirt was the number seven. I glanced at the clipping I torn from the paper, names and numbers of the drivers. Dick Elcock? No. Salvatore Marino? Salvatore Marino was number two. Dick Elcock was number nine. Number seven. Somebody else. James Pritchard. 
Lion and I got three quarters up the passage before we saw in Pritchard's hand a long reaming tool, pointed, steel sharp. That was when... Salvatore! I got business, Pritchard. No, hold it! Keep out of it! This fight's between Alcock and me. Number two hot rod driver in the passageway, Salvatore Marino. Then another driver in the passage, number nine, Dick Alcock. Salvatore Marino jumped him. Come on, Lion, grab Marino. I'll get Elcock. Hey, now, Jeffrey, don't be hasty. Come on, you keep out of it, Pritchard. I ain't in this. Come on, you two. Break it up. No. Break it up. Leave us alone. He's been after me a month, and I'm going to clean him up. Yeah, sure, Dick. You're going to clean me up. You and MacArthur. Yeah, come on and fight, and you'll see. See what, jerk? Come on, Lion. Well, all right, all right, Pal, all right. Now, 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 boys, boys. What's this all about? Well... Well, Sal jumped me, Mr. Miller. He's been asking for it. I have. All right, that's that, that. all right. All right. We all know it's because of the girl, Francie Pritchard, huh? That reminded me. I looked around. James Pritchard had disappeared. It is because of Francie Pritchard, isn't it? Yes, Mr. Miller. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I thought so. Oh, uh, you gentlemen, who are you? My name's Regan. This is Mr. Lyon. Ah, well, thank you for being kind enough to intervene. We're private detectives. Yes, yes. Lyon Detective Bureau. I see. And uh, you're, you're here on business, perhaps? Oh, yes, it's a Hold matter it, of... Lion. Hmm? Maybe we are. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> I'm Jack Miller. I sponsor these afternoon hot rod races. Oversee the activities of the boys, you understand. Uh, perhaps you gentlemen... Oh, uh, uh, Sal, Dick, Class B trial start in five minutes. Yes, Mr. Miller. You two had better get to your cars. Okay, Mr. Miller. And we'll discuss what just happened later, Dick. Sal? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, and uh, you gentlemen, perhaps you would accompany me to my office where we can talk. Uh, cigars, gentlemen. Oh, thank you, Mr. Miller. Yes, we're racing Class Bs this afternoon. 183 to 250 cubic inch displacement. Who's Francie Pritchard, Miller? Your, uh, your professional concern, Mr. Regan, is with Miss Pritchard? With Dick Alcock. His concern seems to be with Francie Pritchard. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I see how it is now. She James Pritchard's sister? That's right, she is. Uh, Dick Alcock's father has engaged us to check up on his boy, Mr. Miller. To get the record straight, Miller, it's this hot rod stuff Alcock's worried about. Oh, yes, yes. Some parents do consider hot rods dangerous. That's one of the reasons I sponsor this track, you see, to keep the boys from racing in the streets. What do you get out of running the show, Miller? A certain spiritual satisfaction, Mr. Regan. Oh, now, now, Mr. Miller, I'm sure Mr. Regan didn't mean to imply And too, Mr. Regan, I have a speed shop, as they are called, uh, dealing in hot rod and special car accessory equipment. It's quite a profitable business. It figured there'd be something like that. Which of the two motives you consider the chief one will be an index to your own character, Mr. Regan. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> well, gentlemen, the first preliminary is about to start. If you'd care to watch from my box... Jeffrey, there's Jennifer B. Dick Elcock's hot rod. I didn't know the cars carried passengers, Miller. Sometimes. That hot rod two cars over from Elcock at the wheel, Salvatore Marino. Jeffrey, Salvatore Marino's passenger is a girl. Yeah. Francie Pritchard, Miller? Oh, yes, yes, that's Miss Pritchard, Mr. Regan. Hey, that's Jennifer B. moving to the front now. And right beside Elcock's car, that's Salvatore Marino. Hey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, did you see that? 
Marino tried to sideswipe Elkhart. You let your kids get away with that stuff, Miller. Marino ought to be disqualified. Oh, no, no, gentlemen, you understand a certain amount of leeway. Naturally, high competitive spirit of the boy. Sure, sure, competitive for Francie Pritchard. Look what's going on out there on the track. Jeffrey, those boys are going to crash if they're not careful. It wasn't just Marino that ought to be thrown off the track. Our client, Elcock's son, too. Marino and Elcock were battling it out at 60 and 70 miles an hour, skidding, gunning, slowing dirt. Well, it was a clean-cut case. You didn't have to be a genius to see it was a love feud. Elcock and Marino against each other. Motive, love for Francie. Sure, it was simple. All of a sudden, I thought of something. Dick Elcock trying to smash Marino's car because Salvatore Marino was his rival for Francie. Yeah, Marino driving, but Francie a passenger in the same car. Elcock would have to crack up Francie to crack up Marino on account of Francie. You put it that way, and it didn't make sense. First trials ended with Marino and Elcock finishing 1-2, both qualified for the big race. There were three more heats to be run off before the big race started. I told the lion to keep an eye on the track. Miller stepped out of the box a second, and I told him to keep an eye on Miller. Then I went out back of the track where the drivers were tuning up their hot rods. Dick Elcock had his hand under the hood of a car. The car wasn't the Jennifer B. Dick, Dick, don't. Don't butt into it. Don't. I'm not doing anything. That's Marino's car, isn't it? Oh, who are you? Name's Regan. Well, what have you got to do with it? I heard him tell Mr. Miller, Francie. He's a detective. Oh, well, then you know, Mr. Regan. I know about you, Francie, and Salvatore Marino and Dick Elcock here. But about the, the rest. Rest? Give me. Oh, no, no, I, I... Don't tell him anything, Francie. No, Dick, no, I won't. Listen, Elcock, your father hired me. That's why I'm here. He doesn't like you messing around, Hot Rods. After watching your prelim, I see what he means. I'm old enough to do what I want to. Your dad put up 300 bucks to my agency that says you are. Now give it to me. Why did you try to run Marino off the track in the preliminary? Well, because of Francie. That's what I thought at first. You and Salvatore rivals for Francie. That checks, huh, Francie? But... Yes. Sure, love triangle. Only, Elcock, you couldn't hurt Salvatore out there on the track without hurting Francie. They were in the same car. So what was really on your mind? Oh, I was sore at Salvatore. You stick to that. A minute ago, you had your hand under the hood of Salvatore's car here to mess it up because you're sore at him? Yes. Is that all of it? That's all of it. Listen, Elcock, you're into something. Maybe way in over your head. That's true, Mr. Regan. You keep out of it, Francie. No. Listen to him. Listen to Mr. Regan, Dick. I know what I'm doing. You and Marino were jamming each other out there on the track, and Miller isn't going to disqualify you for the main race. Why? You won't answer that one, huh? Well, maybe Miller will. I found Miller and Lyon back in Miller's office under the stands. Miller wouldn't disqualify Elcock and Marino. Hedged, put on a cool smile, said he didn't feel it justified. I told him my job was to protect Dick Elcock. That was what Elcock's dad had bought himself, a 150 down and 150 to come. Mr. Regan, why don't you ride with Dick Elcock in the race? Hmm? Each driver will have a passenger. That's not a bad idea, Miller. Jeffrey, it might be dangerous, very dangerous, my boy. You know, Lion, you're right. Well, Jeffrey, are you sure you really ought to... Gotta protect Elcock. That's what we're hired for. And besides, Miller, there's something screwy going on here at your track. Maybe during the big race I'll find out what. I went back out to where the hot rods were warming up before going to the start of the main race. Something screwy was going on at Miller's hot rod track, all right. Something wrong. Real wrong. 
There's a clot of hot rod drivers, mechanics, and girlfriends around something on the ground, and I shoved in. Don't crowd. Stay back for the ambulance, please. Please stay back. Elcock, what's up? It's fancy, Mr. Regan. Joe, Tommy, help with the stretcher. Is she hurt badly, Doctor? Oh, I can't tell. She's unconscious. What happened? Well, somebody hit Fancy over the head, Mr. Regan. Yes, here, just at the temple. We were all watching the end of the last preliminary, and then we turned around, and there she was, Mr. Regan, slumped on the ground. Nobody saw it happen? No, no. The noise of the race covered any cry Fancy might have made. I, I suppose so. But, Mr. Regan, who'd hate Francie enough to do this to her? Maybe it wasn't somebody who hated Francie Elcock. What? I don't... I don't understand. Maybe it was somebody who loved her. Knocked Francie out so she wouldn't ride with Salvatore Marino in the big race. Just in case, Elcock, anything should happen to Marino's car. <laughs> was a five-sided triangle. Dick Elcock and Salvatore Marino in love with Francie Pritchard. That part was clear. Only after that, the thing smogged up. There was James Pritchard, Francie's brother, in it somewhere. And Miller, sponsor of the hot rod track. Miller wouldn't disqualify Marino and Elcock for the main race. When you could see with your eyes shut, the kids were going to fight it out with their hot rods on the track. The track ambulance carried Francie Pritchard off. Before I had time to check around and maybe get a lead on who slugged her, the loudspeaker system was announcing the main race. Check your programs, please, as the qualifying entrants are announced. Number two, Salvatore Marino. Number five, Tommy Tomlinson. Number seven, James Pritchard. Number eight, Harry Esmond. Number nine, Dick Elcock. I went over to Jennifer B. Her headlights taped to prevent flying glass. Fire extinguisher ready in case of a crash. Dick Elcock was strapping himself into the bucket seat behind the wheel. I, I can't talk to you now, Mr. Regan. The race starts in just a second. I'm riding with you, Elcock. Well, you can't do that. Any special reason? Well, just that I'm... They... Well, Mr. Miller won't let you. His suggestion. Mr. Miller said you should ride with me in that race? Yeah. You got an extra one of those crash helmets? No. No, I don't want you to ride with me. Listen, Elcock, I could go to the phone right now and call your dad, tell him where you are, what you're doing, describe the way you and Salvatore Marino drove in that first prelim. Oh, don't do that, Mr. Regan. Or I could phone the cops, tell them about Francie Pritchard. I could give the cops a pretty solid story, Dick, on who might have assaulted her, what the motive might have been. They might figure they had enough to lock you up. I didn't hit Francie, Mr. Regan. I wouldn't do that. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you didn't do it. I'd tell you I didn't. If that's true, Elcock, you better help me prove it. You got an extra crash helmet? Yes. Well, yes, I, I have, Mr. Regan, with my gear in the back of the car. Get it, Elcock. Yeah, go ahead, get it. I'll be right back. The lion was standing up in Miller's box 20 or 30 yards on up the track, signaling me. I went over, and the lion was alone in the box. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, I've got to talk to you a minute. Shoot, that's all. Well, uh, Jeffrey, something very strange is going on here. Where's Miller? That's just it. We came back up from the office, and then he excused himself, said he had to go back down under the stands and speak to some of the track officials. Go on. Well, when he didn't come back, I went down to see what had happened to him. I've checked everywhere, Jeffrey. Mr. Miller has disappeared. Patso, you saw the ambulance go up to the other end of the track a little while ago. Yes. Somebody knocked Francie Pritchard cold. Jeffrey. Lion, did Miller leave his box before or after that? 
Right. Right, it was afterwards, Jeffrey. Yeah. After Frankie was hit. Yeah, well, maybe that fits. Hey, hey, Jeffrey, I'm not sure I follow you. Listen, Lion, I got to get back to Dick Elcock's car for the race. Yeah, but Jeffrey... Try to find Miller. Jeffrey, I told you he's not here. Yeah, but wherever he is, find him, Lion. It's important. Hurry up, Mr. Regan. We'll get rolling in 20 or 30 seconds. Got a crash helmet for me, Dick? Yeah, here. Okay. And belt yourself into the seat. Sure. Anything I can do during the race? Well, this is the fire extinguisher clipped here under the wheel post. We crack up and get pinned in the car. I get the picture. When we get the signal, we go into a roll in low gear, the whole field. And when we hit the start and get waved into the race, we run the gears. Then hold high, wide open. Yeah. There, she's sounding swell. Maybe we'll win the race, Mr. Regan. Maybe, if we finish it. Here we go. A line of hopped-up jalops moving in low toward the start. Car next to the Jennifer B. Close, driver hunched under white crash helmet, goggles covering half his face, but you could see the driver was Salvatore Marino. Marino turned and yelled at Elcock. I'm going to crash you, Dick. What you did to Francis. Before Elcock could answer, we hit the start of the race. We hit the first turn in the pack, cars jouncing together, jarring each other. The pack was solid up the backstretch, began to spring out going into the second lap. Jennifer B. was low to the tracks skidding under the slewed-up dirt. You smelled scorched oil. You jerked and snapped in your bucket seat. Horse laps. Half a dozen leaders had cleared the pack. Elcock, Marino, Jimmy Pritchard, two or three others. Marino, Pritchard, Elcock, Jennifer B.I. was riding in tight together, bunched. Then all of a sudden, Marino shot ahead. It's got it like Sal's head. What's got what? Sal's your love. Look at it, pull out. Hey, hey, Marino's slacking up. Dick, look out! He's coming in on us. Hang on! Mr. Regan. Mr. Regan. Huh? Mr. Regan. Uh, Mr. Regan. We've got to get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. My side jammed against the rail. Marino drove us into the rail. Can we get out on your side? Let's see if this door will open. Shut. No, no, it, it's okay. Let's get out. Watch our chance. Not now. As soon as they get past. Okay. Inside cars flashing by a foot or two from the smashed up Jennifer B. Then Elcock and I made a break for it. Then we were in the infield. Safe. A funny thing. When we were safe, fear came. That was... Gosh, that... That was close. It sure was. When you think of what could have... Could have happened. She could have caught fire. We could have... Oh, holy smoke, Mr. Regan. We might be dead now. Maybe your dad's not too far off the beam, Dick, warning you to give up this jalopy racing. Gee, I guess he sure is. 
And what's happened to Francie, too, because of this? Yeah. You didn't slug her, Dick. You love her. I do, Mr. Regan. Yeah, but but you said... Said maybe whoever slugged Francie did it because he loved her. Yes, Mr. Regan. Well, watch the race. The race? Watch Marino's car. Sal's way out ahead. Nobody will catch him now. That triple-carb manifold deal sure soups up his crate. Triple-carb manifold. That unusual on a racing jalop? No, no, but, but Sal's worked out some improvements. Get simultaneous carburization. Events like that could be worth dough. Yeah, it could. Elcock, Miller knew about it. Yes, Mr. Reed. Dick. Huh? Watch car number seven. Pritchard? Pritchard. Well, Pritchard's dropping back to the field. Well, let Salvatore Marino lap him, Dick. But why would he do that? Because his car's not fast enough to catch Marino's. Sure, I know that. And he but... wants Marino alongside of him, Dick. Mr. Regan, then Pritchard. Pritch. Pritchard, Francie's brother. You mean when Sal comes alongside and him? And we can't do a thing about it, Dick. But Pritch. Sure, Pritch. He conked his sister to keep her out of Marino's car during the race. I didn't think that... You Pritch... knew Miller was in it. Yes, Mr. Regan. Yeah, yes, I did. That was why you tried to block Marino out of the running of the prelim. You wanted to put him out of commission. You knew Miller wanted him smashed up. Francie told me she heard him talking. You figured a little smash up in the prelim would be better than a big one in the main event because you thought Francie would be riding with him. Yes, that was it, Mr. Regan. But why, Mr. Regan? Mr. Miller and now you say Pritch. What have they got against Salvatore? Nothing, Dick. Nothing? That's it. Nothing. Oh, but that doesn't make sense. Look, Dick. Marino's lapping Pritchard now. Pulling alongside him. Pulling alongside. Mr. Regan! He's gonna crash him! Oh, no! Pritchard now, Mr. Regan. Thanks, Doc. Well, Dick. Yes, Mr. Regan? Why don't you check the other hospital by phone while I'm inside? See how Francie's coming along. Yes, Mr. Regan. Uh, this way, Doc. In here. Okay. It's going to be all right. Oh, yes. Yes. Where the other boys hurt a little more seriously. He'll pull through it all, of course. Now in this room. Now just go on in, Mr. Regan. It's quite all right to talk to him. Wait a second. The room's empty. What? Pritchard's run out. There was a fire stairs at the other end of the hospital corridor. One of the nurses had seen Pritchard going that way, thought he was a patient allowed up and around. I hit the stairs fast and got outside. There was a bumpy road circling the hospital grounds and a figure in a hospital bathrobe 20 yards away, and I took off. All right, Pritchard. Stay back. Stay back. Still packing that reaming tool, huh? Convenience. Makes a dagger. Possession of it easy to explain around hot rods. Okay, Pritchard. Use it. I'll kill you, Regan. And face a murder rap? Pritchard, you haven't got the nerve. Yeah? Sure I have. You better quit now with a jail sentence for assault. Miller put me up to it. Sure he did. Put you up to smashing up Salvatore Marino during the race. Put you up to it, but you did it, Pritchard. Didn't want Francie to get hurt in the race. Yeah, I know. That makes you a notch better than Miller anyway. But it isn't saying very much for you, Pritchard. Pritchard dropped the reaming tool. I took him back to the hospital, had a couple of interns guard him. Then I phoned the cops. Dick Elcock came up. He checked by phone on Francie. She was all right. So that about wrapped it up. Except for one little thing. Miller 
the man behind the rod that picked off Salvatore. I went out to where my car was parked, and that was when I saw a blimp with crash helmet and goggles coming toward me. Jeffrey! Jeffrey! Here I am over here! Lion! Jeffrey! You seem surprised to see me. I'm on the case, too, you know. Lion, where'd you get that thing? Is this uh, hot rod, Jeffrey? Hot rod? That's a 1930 model. Yes, but with a 1947 engine, Jeffrey. Imported and relieved, special heads, intake manifolds, stroke, de-stroke, piston popped up, flywheels chopped, baffles installed. Oh, you wouldn't believe it, Jeffrey, but this uh, uh, car does 130 miles an hour. You know that. I did it. Huh? Well, Jeffrey, it was like this. It began to appear that Mr. Miller was implicated in this case. Uh-huh. Go on. And you asked me to find him, Jeffrey, wherever he was. Sure. So, uh, realizing he had a head start, my boy, I uh, I borrowed a car from one of the spectators at the drag. Well, I found that Mr. Miller had taken the coast highway north, running away. That checks. He had one of those speedy foreign cars, Jeffrey. It seems Mr. Miller has some quite considerable source of income. That checks, too. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it does. Well, <laughs> Jeffrey, Mr. Miller's car was very fast, but I just uh, went through the gears, held high, wide open, and... Uh... You caught Miller. Uh, no, Jeffrey. No. No, I got arrested in Malibu for speeding. Exceeding the speed limit by, uh, well, by 103 miles an hour, Jeffrey. 128 in a 25 miles zone. Lion, do you realize it's Miller who is behind this whole case? Well, of course I do, Jeffrey. That is, I suspected as much. He's been milking ideas from the kids around his track for months. Changing them around a little, marketing them as his own stuff. Yeah. Then Salvatore Marino turned up a triple carburetor manifold, really worth money. You triple carburetor? Mm-hmm. Yes. Miller wanted the car it was in smashed up so it wouldn't get out. The idea was Marino. Oh, so that was it. And you do 128 through Malibu and let him get away. Oh, Mr. Miller didn't get away, Jerry. What? Oh, he was right ahead of me, so the police stopped him, too. Not doing quite my speed, of course. They said he was only doing 107 in his foreign car. And when I told them a few things about him, Jeffrey, they locked him up. You mean that Miller... Yeah, that's right, Jeffrey. In the Malibu Station. In the cell. Lion, my boy, sometimes you amaze me. Oh, now, now, Jeffrey, it was nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> Jeff Regan, Investigator, is written by William Frug and William Fifield, produced and directed by Sterling Tracy, and stars Paul Dubov as Regan with Frank Nelson as Anthony J. Lyon. Original music is by Dick Arant. Jeff Regan, Investigator, is heard each week at the same time over CBS. Bob Stevenson speaking, inviting you to be with us again next Wednesday at 9 for more suspense and mystery and adventure with Jeff Regan, Investigator. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a madam's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. I've always thought that this run of Jeff Regan was a bit underrated. 
it kind of took away a little bit of the hard-boiled edge from the Jack Webb run and reinvented the series in a way that was actually fun to listen to. There's kind of a, a little bit of hard-boiled uh, feel and world weariness to Regan's character, but it's not over the top. There's some light comedy with uh, Frank Nelson as the line that I just really enjoy. And this one is a fairly good story. The only thing that hurts it is that our hero doesn't actually get to capture the bad guy. Though it's actually a rare occurrence for uh, the line to go out into the field. So that makes the uh, finding this episode a little extra enjoyable. So I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I do. And uh, to hear a couple more episodes featuring uh, Frank Graham in the role of Jeff Regan before we move on to an episode of Let George Do It, featuring Olin Soule that we've uh, found, and I hope you uh, will enjoy those. And then uh, coming in four weeks, we'll get on to The Lone Wolf. Now on to listener comments and feedback. And we have quite a bit on uh, Inspector Thorne. Um, Joey says, like the new actor playing Inspector Thorne much better. Uh, Chris says, thank you for all your hard work. We appreciate it. Uh, Lisa writes in, hey, Adam, I also like this new Inspector Thorne. It is different from the other shows on the podcast. I've really enjoyed this series and I'm disappointed it will end soon. Is there any chance of recovering other episodes? Well, Lisa, unless our knowledge of the history of the show is inaccurate, no, there's not a chance of recovering more episodes because the 11 we have are all that is uh, ever made. And that's pretty rare for a Hummert uh, series. Most of the Hummert uh, series, while they were very popular, there's a lot of gaps out there. We could find more Mr. Chameleon or more... Uh, Hearthstone of the Death Squad, and certainly a lot more Mr. Keen Tracer of Lost Persons. But uh, Inspector Thorne is complete in 11 episodes. And that is the only downside of having all the episodes of the series, is that there is no possibility of more. The only positive of Lost episodes is the hope that they might someday be found. And so we could hear a new Dragnet, or we could hear new Johnny Dollar, Barry Craig, The Saint... But uh, no uh, new Inspector Thorne. Finally, Eric writes in, This is indeed a better Inspector. Sadly, he still seems to suffer from low self-image, always saying how he may be dumb or doesn't know much. I think it was just a Columbo-like ploy, but the announcer says he believes it. I hope he gets some counseling soon, because he is smart, handsome, and projecting a little bit. Probably smells nice, has good posture, and cooks a mean omelet in no time uh, flat. So, in short, welcome back, Adam. I missed your podcast. Well, thanks so much, Eric. I uh, appre appreciate it. And, yeah, you could say he's got a self-esteem uh, problem, but I don't know if they were quite as worried about that uh, in the 1950s. But uh, good comment. Uh, and Scott writes in, Hi, Adam. I've been a fan of your podcast for years and years now. I recently downloaded the app, and I've started to listen to all the shows all over again. Just as great this time around. I'm also enjoying all the extras I may have missed along the way, uh, as well as the videos. Your hard work has provided me years of entertainment and helped me through my work days, making the days go just a little faster. Love all the shows and appreciate all the time and effort you've put into each and every one. Well, thank you very much, Scott. 
And that will actually uh, be all for today. Join us back here tomorrow, Richard Diamond. Next Tuesday, Jeff Regan. In the meanwhile, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.